I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's not an easy skill to learn. Welcome back to episode 70 of the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. Today in the podcast, uh, I'm going to just do a kind of free-form, freestyle talk. Um, and the basic subject is God, theism, the devil, different belief systems, and truth. So I guess the, the first place I can start it is that um, one thing that I've noticed really as, you know, junior high school, high school, back in the 70s, you have some kids, you know, at that point, you know, you had all of this type of uh, rock music and ACDC and all of these like satanic bands and everything like that, Slayer and all that. And what was funny is a lot of these kids, they were really into like Satanism and the devil and all that stuff. As an entity, but you say to them, hey, you know, you're into this, but, you know, what about God? Do you believe in God? Oh, no, God doesn't exist. How could you possibly believe in the devil or Satan if God doesn't exist? The one needs the other to exist because it's the polar opposite. It's duality or the dualistic side of it. So how can one exist without the other? How can light exist without darkness or darkness exist without light? What makes light light? is the fact that it it illuminates the darkness. So this is just common sense. So you have a person, oh, you know, you know, devil, and, and this is all cool, but yet they don't believe in God. And that's that to me is not only irrational and stupid, but it, it has no logic, no reason, and, and, and zero uh, methodology or science behind it. I mean, you know, obviously, if you're going to believe in the one, you're going to believe in the other. If, if, uh, you know, if you're into that, the satanic music or whatever, and I say, do you believe in the devil? And he says, no, nah, man, it's just cool. It would make more sense. But these people, they actually believe in it and everything like that, but they don't believe in God, which is just shows you the degree of ignorance that they have, which, which makes sense because, you know, when you're on that side, that's the dark side and that's darkness. And, you know, obviously God is on the side of light and light exposes everything. So you always want to be in the light. Again, I'm not in a position to preach to you, thump a Bible, or, you know, try to force any opinion or view on anyone about anything. All I do is kind of bring, you know, different topics up, discuss them, and look at both sides of it. So, I'm, I'm kind of opinionated on this because I've been, you know, obsessed and into this since I was very, very young. You know, I've always been thinking about it. Even, even, prior, even before I really realized that, that I was dealing with those issues and thinking about them, I actually was without realizing it, just through the conversations that I had and just my memories of being a young person, you know, because I've always been in a position of, you know, for the most part as a young person, I've been in, in a position of need, you know, spiritually, financially and all that. And I uh, learned to kind of rely on God and, and, you know, he's always come through for me. I must say that in Jesus name. So yeah, what what's happening, what I'm seeing happening right now is this, a real, um, atheistic uh, tendency that I see right now on the news, on the media, you know, you see Beyonce and she, you know, openly is doing witchcraft and, you know, just really some evil and demonic stuff. And it's not just Beyonce, it's all of these artists, they're into it. 
And they, again, they think it's cool. They think it's funny. But if you look a little deeper in, you're going to see that it's really not, they're really not joking. And it really is, uh, you know, something that's taking place these days. And you want to, you know, you want to be aware of this. So what, what am I saying? I'm saying that you really need to take deep consideration into this. And one of the points I'm going to bring up, there was a, one of the main satanic guys, his name was Anton LaVey. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard it many times and I've heard it in different uh, instances. But they said on his deathbed, he said, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? In other words, regretting. And he, you know, saying, you know, I guess asking for mercy from God or whatever. And this is like from the top guy. And I've heard this from other people that followed that path that they kind of regret, you know, take, taking that road. So it's really, really not a joke. And like I said, back to these kids when I was growing up, they, they, they think it's funny. And it's, you know, the odd thing about it is a lot of times you see people that are into that and take a look at the direction that their life goes in. And it's usually not a pretty thing. You know, they usually end up, you know, divorced or, or you know, having really lousy careers or ending up really not in a good way, you know, because they, they're going towards the darkness. And I know this. some people might even be laughing and listening to this right now. But for those of you people that have ears to listen, listen up, because, you know, I'm speaking truth, you know, don't, don't just go by what you think you're feeling inside. You have to make an observation of what's out. You have to look from the inside out and see the fruit uh, of people, what the fruit that they bear in their life. It's going to tell you a lot about the choices and the decisions that they've made and the way they've lived their life. So you have to do that too. I know I'm a big proponent of looking inside, but you have to go from the uh, inside looking out and look at the fruit of people of what they do, their lives, and, and you know, the patterns that they follow and the results that they get from that. And I, ha I have to be honest, like there's different subjects that interest me, like hermeticism kind of to some degree interests me. I'm just really a student of knowledge. And I'm kind of deliberating whether or not, you know, hermeticism and, and the mystery schools and stuff like that if, you know, they are demonic or satanic. I don't really think they are, but I think it's the beginning of a gateway to go in that direction because it starts not so much playing a game with God, but it ends up putting man in the position of being God or being the philosopher's stone, you know, um, the one that has the ability. And we have no ability within us. The, tr the true way to get power, and it says it in the Tao, is to empty yourself and assume the fullness of the Tao. Or as Jesus says, you know, uh, empty yourself completely and, you know, fill yourself with the spirit of Jesus. And there's a lot of sense to that because what happens is in many instances, you know, again, I'm Puerto Rican and I grew up in a situation where there was Santeria going on. People would go to the Botanica and they buy these candles and chicken feed and weird stuff, blood and, you know, different things. And it gets, gets really weird. And that stuff is real if you buy into it. You know, if you buy into it and if you're into doing bad stuff, then it's going to affect you. But you have to, that's why you have to stand clear of that. But what, um, what ends up happening is you see people, um, that get in, into those disciplines and those belief systems. And the first thing that you notice is that, you know, they're going to, they talk to one another and they go, Hey, this, esta persona te está haciendo un trabajo. this person is doing a work on you, they're casting a spell on you, that you know, they're, they're doing these moves against you to hurt you. So the other person immediately reactionarily 
they'll turn around and say, oh, well, I, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get a crow's foot and, you know, f- four pine cones. And But that's where the problem starts because the minute that you feel that you are the one that has the power to do anything, to protect yourself from these entities, from these spirits, that you have the poder, you have the ability to do it, that's when you lost because now you're in the game and you're competing. And what happens when you compete? You lose just by the mere virtue of the fact that you're in the act of competing. You have to remove yourself from that act of competing. And what you have to do is not compete. And what you have to do is say to yourself, you know what? First of all, um, I'm not the one that has the power to fight against this because my my Savior, Jesus, is the one that has the ability to do that. So you empty yourself and you fill yourself with Jesus. If you don't want to use the word, you know, Jesus or the name of Jesus or whatever, that, that that's my choice. You know, that's up to you. But then at that point, don't put it in a position where you say, I have the power and I have the will or whatever. The universe, you know, you could substitute and say the universe is the one. I'm going to fill myself with the protection and the good karma of the universe because if you're not putting out negative energy, negative energy is not going to have power over you, okay? And the supreme thing is to put out good, positive energy, always. And that that's your shield and that's your armor, okay? Assume the position of goodness. Not that we're perfect and, you know, we... You know, we blow, uh, you know, golden love rings. You know, that's that's not the position. But just be a good person and, and observe, you know, right thinking, right speech, right action. You know, do no harm to people. Of course, you're going to have a temper. You might lash out. You might get into arguments and such. Or, you know, you might, you know, hoodwink somebody out of a buck in a quick deal, realize it and not say anything. These things happen. I mean, that's, that's what it is to be a human being, you know, and to have feet of clay. But... Don't be in a position where you feel that you're el poderoso. You're the one that has all the power that can do, affect everything because that's where the problems really start. Um, you know, you have to call upon the power of the universe and the power of good karma and and, and such. And people people feeling that they have power and the ability to do all these things, that 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 turns ugly very quickly. And again, look at people that live those lifestyles, and it's kind of a you know kind of a indicator of the fruit that they bear in their life as a result of the actions and their karma. But yeah, I'm kind of attracted to some degree to these mystery schools and to sacred geometry and stuff. Fibonacci sequence, the Akashic records, it's the pineal gland, you know, all this DMT, lucid dreaming. I am a serious lucid dreamer, man. I lucid dream all the time. So, and I feel great when I come out of it, you know, and if you don't know what lucid dreaming is, it's when... Uh, you're in a dream, you're in, in actually REM deep, rapid eye movement, REM sleep, and you become aware of the fact that you're actually in a dream, but you continue the dream. So you literally um, kind of have fun with the dream. And uh, for those of you that lucid dream, you know exactly what I'm saying. Now, it's funny because sometimes you're in a position, if you're not good at it, you're going to like rapidly w- wake up and f- just forget everything. But over time, as you develop that skill, you will be able to actually stay in the dream, realizing that you're dreaming. And it's really mind expansive because you're kind of in a dualistic world between consciousness and unconsciousness. Because when you're dreaming, you're in your subconscious mind, which is 90% of your processing capabilities is in your subconscious mind. 90% of what you do on a day-to-day basis is run by your subconscious mind. And what I mean by that is if you're driving a car 
if you find yourself you're in a position, you've been driving a car for, let's say, three hours, and you pull up to a rest stop, and you go to gas up, and as you pull into the rest stop, you say, oh, my God, I've been driving for three hours. You know, who's been driving the car? Like, you were just somewhere else, all right? Your subconscious mind was driving that car. And, it, again, it runs about 90% of what you do. When you're dreaming, um, you're actually in a state where you're in your subconscious and conscious mind simultaneously, which is really cool. <laughs> you know, is the best way I could describe it. And there's diff- different techniques to get into a state of lucid dreaming. I believe that everybody has the ability to do it, but some, some people are a little bit more predisposed to, to lucid dreaming. I think some of the techniques that they do, uh, a book I was reading, they said to look at your hands, like during the course of the day, just make it a ha- habit of looking at your hands and and ask yourself, am I dreaming as you look at your hands? And just do this during the course of the day. You know, not all the time because you're going to look like a nut, but just, just in general, a few times a week, just look at your hands and say, am I dreaming? And what you're going to find is you're going to be in a dream and you're going to look at your hands and you're going to say, am I dreaming? And you're going to, and you, I don't know, your hands look weird or something like that. And you have this weird feeling. You say, you know what? I'm dreaming. Or when you walk through a doorway, you, you um, run your hand along the edge of the doorway. And as you walk through the doorway, say, you know, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? And then when you're in a dream, do the same thing. Find a consistent thing that you do. I don't do practice any of those. I just kind of find myself uh, in a position when I'm dreaming. And I'm saying to myself, this is kind of weird here. This, is, this seems like I'm dreaming. And I guess it's because I'm in, in touch with that uh, mindset of, of dreaming and, and, and awake. I'm kind of used to it, so I, I kind of rapidly recognize that I'm dreaming. And again, I have fun with it. Sometimes I wake up right away, but some sometimes I stay in that state, and it's really, really a lot of fun. One of the weirdest things that ever happened to me was um, I was in a dream, right? I was dreaming, and I was doing something. I was unloading a truck and doing something. And then it's weird. I said to myself, I'm around here somewhere. So I'm saying to myself, I'm around here somewhere, meaning not where I'm standing, but someplace else. So I look up and I see a river flowing down in my direction. And I saw myself and I guess I was like on a surfboard and I was coming down the river and the myself that was on the surfboard coming in my direction. Like imagine another guy coming in your direction on the surfboard, except the other guy on that surfboard is you. And it was weird because it was on a river that was flowing, a little river, maybe 10 feet wide. And as I saw myself on the surfboard coming to myself, on a flat ground, you know, coming towards myself, the self, myself that was on the surfboard was pointing at me and I was pointing, the, the me by the truck was pointing at the me at the surfboard. So we were pointing at one another and I saw myself go by laughing and it was just so real and it kind of scared me and it kind of filled me with fulfillment at the same time. It was just a weird thing. And to this day, I can't figure out what that meant. But it was craziness. I just saw myself in a dream. And I've kind of seen myself in dreams in other times, but I've never, never liked this. It's craziness. Lucid dreaming. So, yeah, again, I'm going to just get talk about different topics and different subjects because, you know, so, some of these, they're, they're not enough to fill up a podcast. Or I don't want to bore you, but some podcasters, they'll take one subject and run it into the ground for three hours. It's pretty boring. I kind of try to keep the show moving. So, yeah, those mystery schools, Hermeticism and Hermes Trismegistus, you know, Hermes the thrice great, three times great, Uh, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. I mean, for you guys that are into knowledge, I mean, you might want to YouTube and Google some of these things, especially YouTube, but there's some interesting stuff. Sacred Geometry. Um, Just be careful how far down you go that path. It's, It's, 
absolutely necessary to know of all things because, you know, if you're going to speak to somebody, let's say that's all wrapped up in that and they're kind of going in the, in the wrong direction or it's taking them down the wrong path, you can talk to them on their level and say, hey, you know, I know about uh, the Philosopher's Stone or these different subjects. And you could have a deep conversation with them and kind of express your point. So it's important to have this 360 well-rounded knowledge. Um, yeah, let me take a breath because I, <laughs> I talk so fast. But, um, you know, sometimes when I talk to a person, you know, it comes out in the conversation, oh, how could you believe in God? And, you know, there's no God and man is God. Or we, we, came, we come from the primordial soup where, you know, this little puddle of water that was like 92 degrees and, you know, a spark of carbon hit it and, you know, the first uh, single cell organism. That's bullshit. Um, if you look at DNA and RNA, di dinonucleic acid and recombinant nucleic acid, that spiral of uh, the chromosomes and all that stuff, the DNA, that there's no explanation for that, and that is not random. You know, it's it's intelligence. It's the intelligence of God, whatever label you want to use for God. But, I mean, DNA is right there. It just tells you, you know, that there's an intelligence behind all of existence. And I believe some of the major schools like Harvard University or Cornell or something like that, they, <clears throat> I think they call it the God, God particle. I don't know. But they, they, there's this, whatever calculations that they make and studies and graphs and quantum physics, whatever they do, they always say that there's an X factor, something missing. And ultimately, they're admitting that it does have to be intelligence to toll the life, which is pretty obvious. Um, so yeah, that DNA and RNA. And also, when you look at the Fibonacci sequence, which is that number pattern system that's a number and the number before it added together, like 0 and 1 equals 2, 2, whatever the sequence is. But the Fibonacci sequence makes an acorn look the way it does, a ram's horns. Anything that you see in nature, um, the symmetry of spider web, anything like that, it, it, it employs a Fibonacci sequence. Um, and for that reason, you'll never see an even amount of leaves in nature, like on a tree or a branch. It's always going to be an odd number. And that's the mathematics of God. You know, God behind that, or what, again, whatever label you want to put on it. There's another thing that's called the Akashic Records. I'm hitting you with guys with some terms this way. Some of you that are not familiar with, not a manama. <laughs> some of you that are not familiar with this, you know, you can kind of get into some stuff that's pretty cool. Some knowledge that's pretty cool. But it's called the Akashic Records. And what the Akashic Records are is the embodiment of all knowledge that's ever existed, but in one, like one whole, like one entity, one space, and it's called the Akashic Records. Uh, some people also call it the muse, when you get that immediate divine inspiration. Maybe you find yourself, you know, trying to build something or do something or fix or something like that. And you'll get this divine inspiration, like bang, out of nowhere. And it's like it's a genius hits you. A lot of people say that that's the Akashic Records, you know, that they kind of reveal themselves. And they don't stay open. It'll be something that kind of opens and closes really quick, but you get what you need out of it. Very, very true. So there's another thing that falls into play with this, and it's called the pineal gland, and it involves DMT, which is dimethyltryptamine. Um, dimethyltryptamine, my understanding, is the most potent uh, hallucinogenic or the most potent uh, drug known to man. And uh, it is generated in your spinal cord, and it is secreted during deep REM sleep and death, which is kind of kind of freaky. But they also say that um, your pineal gland generates DMT. 
And what the pineal gland is, it's like an acorn-shaped gland and right like behind your where your third eye is supposed to be in the like in your brain like behind where your third eye is supposed to be and my understanding is that when they look at it when they do an autopsy or something like that and they look at an actual uh, pineal gland it has like an eyelid on it and like kind of like a rough form of an eye and uh it's some interesting stuff man really really interesting stuff in, in india they're really into that too they get into the pineal gland um yeah then you could get into the great pyramids um which ancient egypt just blows me away i did a podcast on a guy by the name of john anthony west and it's magical egypt it's a series he did called magical egypt and, and it's in eight parts i highly highly recommend uh anybody that's a student of knowledge to go back there it's really it used to be on youtube readily available i think now only episode one is there if you can get the visuals on that it's great he also has a website i think you can go and actually buy the dvds but um yeah i have you know the audio of that um because i did buy the set and i put it out there as a common you know common you know common license you know for, for, people to listen to and get some edification out of the audio portion of it it's really really deep john anthony west magical egypt so we have that um lucid dreaming i got into there's ndes which are near-death experiences and you can go on youtube and um there's some heavy heavy duty stuff on that when people you know pass away when they clinically die uh but their consciousness continues and the th- the different things that they see a lot of people they don't see the face of god but like god will walk up behind them or put his hand on them and just tell them you know envelop them in love or whatever and it's interesting you'll see some people that live some pretty pretty bad lives and once they come out of it their life changes 360 degrees they become 180 degrees they become a completely different person and one of the consistently interesting things about it is they don't fear death anymore so it's it's really really interesting man like they what happens is at the moment of death they kind of elevate up into the ceiling and they look down upon themselves in the emergency room they'll tell you which people ran in and out of the room and what happened and what time was on the clock and and they're there they're there present in the room above hovering above themselves looking down upon themselves at everything that's happening and it's happened too much for it to be a coincidence it happens all the time that's why i have to say or people that have knowledge realize we are not this meat wagon this meat wagon is just um a manifestation of of the material world and it's it's a meat wagon is what it is and it carries us from place to place from birth to death but our spirit is eternal and it goes on forever now whether you want to get into reincarnation or whatever i can't really say i don't know um you know one side of me says it's not true but honestly i'm kind of leaning towards the 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 side of that that it does exist a reincarnation and i believe it's heavily uh vested in karma so yeah and ndes astral projection is real similar when you're you're when your spirit leaves your body and you travel to different places and you see things clairvoyance and deja vu i've had a lot of instances of that deja vu where you say something and you look up and there's a the time on the clock or a certain person says something to you and you say i've experienced this before 
you know, and I find that when that happens to me, it happens in clusters. Like I might be in a point in time where like a week or two weeks, it happens to me maybe three or four times, two times, whatever, and then it won't happen for six months. It comes in, in bunches, you know, when, you, when your mind is in that state. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, I do speak about Jesus. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's just my Savior, and he's... If you get, like, a red-letter uh, Bible where Jesus' words are in red, and you read his words, uh, just, just read a few of those, like, from the book of Matthew or the book of Luke or whatever, and tell me that this man wasn't really, really divine, like, just really, really there, uh, you know, just absolute truth, man. It's, it's, yeah, I challenge people to do that. I think it's a good idea if you can do that, you know? His words are just life-altering, really, you know? Whether you want to look at him as a guru or just, you know, an enlightened person or whatever, however, whatever space you want to take it in, but get get a, get a New Testament Bible, red-letter edition, where Jesus' words are in red, and read his words, you know? Well, you go to Barnes and Nobles and do it for free, or go, go online. You, you can, I'm sure you could go online and find it for free. Red, red letter edition of the New Testament. Um, but it's interesting. All cultures from Sumer, ancient Sumeria, you know, throughout, you know, everybody is a the, theism. They believe in gods, whether it's multiple gods or, you know, one god or whatever. But everybody really has that belief in God because there's too, too much in this creation for it to just be. Uh, you know, random. So it's something definitely to look into. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I have this little talk that I get into about the Garden of Eden, which is the book of Genesis. And I know for a fact that I've discussed this in some of my earlier podcasts, like like probably episode two or something like that, or episode three. But if you go back into the Old Testament and you look at whether you want to look at it in a religious light or just, you know, metaphysical or spiritual, but just read it for what it is, the information that's contained. Because in all honesty, the Bible is very rich, rich, rich in, in, in knowledge, you know. So, all right, so we're in the Garden of Eden and uh, there's two trees. There's the, this is what it boils down to. There's the, uh, the, the tree of eternal life and the tree of knowledge. And when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, you can partake of anything in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's the name of it. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says, because at the point in time that you do eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes shall be open and you will see as we see. And he doesn't say I, he says we. In Hebrew, the the word is Elohim, which is the multiple, God multiple. And I, I believe he was speaking with Jesus. Um, <clears throat> so he goes, you know, of everything that's in the garden, you can eat except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because if you do, your eyes will be open and you shall know good from evil, like us. So sure enough, and you know, everybody blames Eve, you know, she beguiled him. But you know what, it, it was both of them because one, you could not have one without the other. But, you know, Eve did eat of, you know, she was beguiled by the serpent. He tricked her. And he goes, well, and and he says, you know what? Um, God said that if you eat of the tree, you shall die. And the first words of the devil's mouth is, you shall not die. So the first words out of his mouth were a lie. Um, whether you believe that they had eternal life in the garden or not, this is a lot of this is metaphor. But, um, but they did partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And their eyes did open up and they realized they were naked. And uh, they covered up their nakedness. 
and uh, because they were aware of the good and evil side of that. Not that being naked is evil, but whatever. It's just metaphor. Now, here's the situation. The reason, now you want to look behind the reason because God is omnipotent and his ways are way higher than ours. We, we can't understand his ways because, you know, something that's finite cannot comprehend something that is infinite. So, the reason I believe that God um, handled it in this way is because God doesn't want automatons or robots to follow him. If you follow in the love and the teachings of, of God, then he wants you to choose. The big thing there is choose to follow him. Because he could have made us like robots, but what's what do you get out of that? I mean, it, you, you just, you know, you're running around in a maze chasing your own cheese, you know. And he doesn't want that. He wants people to follow him by choice. Which all of these entities out there, whatever evil ones or whatever, they want you to follow them, to choose to follow them. See, so that's why you have to make a choice to follow God. Because when you do it, then he knows it's coming from your heart. And it's the truth. So, when he put them in the garden, he, he was testing them. It was a test to see if they were going to choose to follow God. And um, I guess in that sense they failed the test because they did eat of the knowledge of good and evil. But he didn't cast them away because, you know, it, it was just a test. And now I guess their status or their intelligence levels got elevated because they knew good from evil. But that's really the reason why um, God put him in that position. And the second thing is when they talk about knowing good from evil, if I ask you the question, where does evil come from? Most people say the devil created evil but he didn't the devil did not create evil he was an archangel and he chose he chose evil and he was cast out of heaven but evil comes from god in the sense of everything that is created in this existence comes from god and the reason why evil is there again is the duality is so that the good can exist you cannot have the good without the evil the one needs the other to exist. It says it in the Tao. I know it sounds weird, but it's just God puts it out there for us to make a choice. He wants to know which one we're going to choose. So in order for us to be there and make that choice, it has to be, the evil has to be available for us to choose. He wants us to choose good, and God is good, and God is light. But he puts it out there as a test. The devil chose evil, and he wants, you know, so he made his own path. But God wants us to choose to follow him. Um some deep stuff man that's some really really deep stuff and that that good and evil conversation puts me into another thing when you know to illustrate who god is or what god is or what good is um everything in, in existence because i just said that you know to choose between good and evil everything in existence is like that good and evil duplicitous um because if you break down any matter in existence it's going to have a positive and negative charge a proton and an electron positive and negative duplicitous anything that's made of an atom is going to have a positive and negative charge and it's going to be duplicitous in all of creation there's only one thing that is singular and that is a photon of light and that one single photon of light is what sustains all of life on this planet through photosynthesis and god is light and god is singular he's not duplicitous he's not good and bad he's light and he's pure good so I'm hitting you with some different concepts. It's just something to really reflect on and think on, you know. Um, so that's my Garden of Eden rap, which I've said a couple of times before, but it's it's good to, it's good to listen to again. Um, 
Yeah, there's a thing that's called Occam's Razor. And what Occam's Razor dictates is that the best explanation is the simplest explanation. And what's happening these days is people get too far deep into this woo-woo. And, you know, I kind of like the Indian philosophy and stuff like that, but they get a little over into the, a little too esoteric and a little too convoluted as far as complicating stuff. That's why, again, I like the Eastern philosophies because they keep it extremely simple, especially the Taoism. It's profound but yet simple at the same time. And that's, you know, kind of like the Occam's Razor where the, Best explanation is the simplest one. Um, let's see what else I got here. Um, the other thing that I'm seeing is that people, they kind of use God's name in vain. You know, you have some pastors, you have like, and I have to say it, the Catholic Church and these priests and everything that's happening. And they say, hey, look at the Catholic Church and hey, look at these priests, what they're doing. And what it does is it puts a really bad... Uh, juxtaposition on God, like people are saying, well, if these people represent God, then what kind of God are they worshiping or what kind of God are they serving? And it just excuses everything. So you can't put your belief, belief in God into any institution or any religion or any anything outside of God himself, you know, because what ends up happening is you end up losing your belief in God and your connection with God as a result of the errors that men make. And the short-sightedness that men make. And that's been going on since the beginning of history because man wants to put himself in the position of God or evil forces want to turn you away from the love of God. But what you have to do is understand that, you know, God's love is supreme and don't let anything come between you and your connection with the supreme with God. You have to hold him within yourself and have that connection within God within yourself because you do have God within yourself. It even says that we're created in God's image. So always... Have that as your absolute connection to the divine. You know, not any institution or church or any belief system or Jimmy Swaggart or one of these guys on television, you know? These televangelists that are out there for money. Let's see. Let's see, let's see. Uh, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. I'm about 34 minutes into it. And uh, I'm going to touch on some of these different subjects, but I just felt like kind of putting out a quick little podcast and just touch on some different subjects, see what kind of feedback I get. Um, again, I want to thank you for listening. Namaste, and uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com and my subreddit is reddit.com forward slash r forward slash alphamalebuddhist. 
that's my subreddit where you can uh, comment and interact with other listeners. And it's a great forum to sit and have an open dialogue. So, again, thank you for listening and namaste.